Welcome to this episode. Hope you're well. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since I last recorded something. It's been quite a busy time, as usual. Um, but it's, it's just—it's been a busy time with with actually not only with work but with drums outside of work and uh, and also just kind of it's that time of year where I sort of feel like just catching up with a few things, you know, and sort of getting on top of a few things. Um, I don't know what you're like, but I tend to, I have these things that are going on all the time, just little little things, projects that I want to get resolved or finished or even begin, but they're sort of, they sit just below the consciousness and um, they're sort of, you know, they're always kind of eating away. Oh, I need to get this done, I need to get that done. Oh, yeah, I was going to get that. And then, oh, yeah, and this, that, and the other. And there's been a lot of that going on and a lot of things uh, going on in relation to that, so actually resolving those problems, you know. Um, like, for instance, today, um, the shed, the drum shed, has always had three light switches. Um, so the middle light switch... Has never had, has never done anything. It's just, uh, it was just a, a switch. There's nothing wired into it. And then, about a year or so ago, I put in these two big LED lights. One, um, put one in the drum room first, and then I put one in here for the workroom. And uh, they're, um, what are they? They are, I think they're twenty watt, warm white, <clears throat> but they're big spots, you know. And they they produce a lot of light. They're good. But they're not that kind of horrific, dazzly kind of light. They're um, but they're very useful. Um, they're not very pretty, and they're, they're very, you know, they're very practical. But they're not ambiance lights. So, um, and because I'm not, I wasn't very good at, or very brave with DIY things. I um, I wired them both in on um, Twin and Earth directly into plug sockets on a seven amp fuse, you know, because they've got all the gubbins inside them. You know, they've got the, all the, the circuitry that drops you from two forty down to, um, to whatever they run at. Um, so they, you can just plug them into the mains, you know. Um, but it's it's not a very pretty thing, and I and but I've done a very good job of, the, of putting these Twin and Earth up, up you know, um, up sort of up the walls and across the ceiling and put put it all in properly, and then put a little junction box on, wide it in, and so that I'd switch on the the plug and then the light would come on. And so I had one in the drum room, which I couldn't reach anymore. After I'd done I'd been doing a lot of tweaking in there and I've ended up doing two couple of the sockets. In fact, four, four of the sockets I can't get to at all because two of them are behind the bass drum. They're next to where the bass drum mic lives. The, the bass drum lives on the on the far wall and the, the bass drum mic is obviously there permanently and you can't get to the sockets. But those two sockets have got something permanently into them. Uh, one of the sockets is on a long uh, two-way, which has got another six-way coming off it. So, and that's for just like chargers and things like that. It's for nothing heavy, heavy duty in there. Uh, and then the other socket has a lamp, which I um, very, very occasionally have on, but don't really run it very often. But um, it's a bit of a throwback from when I had very few lights in there. Um, anyway. I couldn't get to that socket anymore, the other socket as well, which had a four-way on it, which has now got more sockets on it, because I've sort of did a bit of a thing last weekend, a bit of a project, upgrading the sockets on the wall, and this little table that I run my laptop on when I'm teaching, doing my online teaching, um, 
which I'm very pleased about. It's a little drop-down table, so I can sort of drop it down, and I've got space back again, but I can put this thing up. It's a perfect height for teaching. I've got my other four cameras. Well, I've got four cameras all together now, so I've got a, re got a side reverse camera for seeing across the kit towards the ride through the snare, and that's good for that sort of view. I've got a, I've got a, a sort of frontal view camera. <coughs> um, in fact, I sort of slightly stole Mark Giuliano's kind of idea. As um, I, I had it kind of facing me on a very wide angle, and you could see everything. But now, as we we were very lucky to have him at college last week, you know, in a master class online, and uh, he was playing in his little drum room. Um, which he has a little soundproof room within within an outhouse, you know, very nice, and uh, and his camera was more above, and it was a similar fisheye kind of not fisheye lens, but wide angle lens thing, but above, and uh, and I just sort of decided actually I could put this I could put this camera a shelf higher and use that view, and then I was struggling with the mic as well, the mic wasn't quite fitting, so anyway, that was kind of, got that sorted out, and then I've got a foot camera as well, which is hilarious, which uh, is a kind of a sort of comedy thing, but it, it's actually very useful, you know, you're trying to teach, especially feathering the bass drum, we're talking about hi-hat technique, and about not picking up the heel, and playing from the heel and stuff, and talking about heel-up technique as well, and talking about that heel and toe technique, where you, you know, when you're rocking between um, those two different sounds, um, you know, the, I, I've got a camera where you can see the foot, so I'm pretty well set up now, and I've got a very good sound in there as well. The cameras are very good. The zoom, the two zoom cameras that I use for the, the sort of main zoom cameras I use, I've got very good mics on them. I've got a couple of mics for one of the cameras actually. But I've got my, I decided to install my posh sound card, my Scarlett 18i20, uh, on my laptop, which I've never used on my laptop. I always use it on this computer, which I'm recording into now, which is my my desktop <clears throat> Mac. And this has the sound card plugged into it. But I've got another sound card in there as well, a sapphire, little sapphire um, focus right thing, um, which is quite old, but it's great. I just do all my podcasts into it, and um, I use it for when I'm doing this thing at college where we do this thing every week where people come together and we listen to music together. I've got my, I've got my record player plumbed into my desk and the internal sound plugged in to the card as well, and I can... It's like, um, you know, I can sort of base it, because I host this show. I don't play, you know, much music, but I can I can play the music. And um, so anyway, yeah, that's kind of, that's all the sound card thing. So I got my sound card plumbed in, in there, and I was doing this little DIY project because I wanted the, the plug sockets. It's all a bit of a mess in there because it's that thing of I'm quite sort of... Um, I work in quite a reactionary way a lot of the time. I kind of get inspired to do things, and then I kind of, right, yeah, I'm going to get this thing done. Uh, and um, and then I don't tend to do a very good job of, you know, getting the actual thing tidily set up. I get I get the vibe of it set up, so it's working, and then I kind of crack on with whatever I'm doing, and then I kind of revi always revisit and tidy it all up at a later date, you know. And, uh, and this kind of relates to this thing I was talking about, about ongoing projects, because there's loads of things that I just don't have time to do, but they sit in the, in the sort of just below the conscious, you know, just in the top of the subconscious mind about, oh, yeah, I've got to get that thing, I'm going to get that done. And one of these things was getting this light thing sorted out. So I got the other light sorted out a few weeks ago, which I think I talked about in a previous podcast, which uh, very boring, but I drilled a hole in the wall and I wired it into one of the lights. And it works beautifully, and that's brilliant. So now what I do is I turn on the light in the drum room and I get all the lights and I get the big LED light and everything. It's great for teaching. We're in, it's winter now in, in the UK and um, I teach 
a couple of days a week at, at college and I'm teaching up to six o'clock and by half past three now it's pretty dark you know so I'm using those lights <clears throat> um, in fact some of the days it's so the weather's so hideous you know I'm using the lights at sort of 11 a.m you know because there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of light in there I mean I, I had this thing with the, with the drum room the, that side of the drum uh, shed um, again more DIY things this is uh, it's not supposed to be a DIY podcast by the way um, but uh, it's just this is what's been going on you know so the other half of it I um, I had these blinds that are just for privacy really and they're um, they're a bit oppressive so if you watch a lot of my kind of Instagram videos from sort of six months, maybe nine months ago for the previous couple of years, you'll see these there's these blinds and they're pretty oppressive. And uh, anyway, there's this stuff, there's this German-designed uh, window stuff you can get and you put it on with water and a squeegee thing. You just literally spray, spray the water, clean the window, spray the water onto the window and then you put this stuff on it. It sticks to the glass and never comes off. It's amazing stuff. And you can take it off anytime you like, move it around. It's one of those amazing things that's designed. It's not cheap. It's a and q thing. Um, you get it on a roll. Anyway, I did all the windows in there and so it's much brighter in there now. It's a much nicer vibe. But the thing that was really doing my head in was the door because I had some of this, um, this you know, the studio uh, foam that sort of deadens sound. I had that on the door and then over the top of it I had some of this blind material which is it's like a sort of cardboard and it does work a bit as kind of, it, it's not soundproofing, it's, it's sound deadening. It, it kills the sound a bit. Um, and it always looks hideous. Anyway, I found this stuff online on eBay, this uh, self-adhesive... Well, it's one side adhesive foam, and it's very dense foam. And I went for the one centimetre stuff, and it's it's designed for putting under car bonnets uh, and that kind of thing. It's designed to be putting into wall spaces between plasterboard and brick and things. And it's supposed to be like a kind of soundproof layer, you know. And uh, anyway, I bought some of this stuff to put on the door. So I bought a two-by-one metre roll of it, and then I... I cut some of it and put it in these gaps between the windows where I'd noticed I could hear cars really... If I put my ear to the wood, the cars were quite loud from the road. And the road's about 150 yards away, but it's quite hard. We can't help it. The road's down, sort of quite far down. So, um, And I put this stuff up and I, was, I just noticed how much quieter the cars were. And then I also noticed how much quieter the room was. So I bought a load more of that and spent like the end of uh, middle of end of last week or this week sorry um sorting all one side out so i've got all one side foamed now it's, and the room sounds nicer it's tighter um i don't want to lose all the wood but i, I am going to buy some more and do the ceiling and i'm going to do so i've done the door and then all i've done all the outside wall where the glass is so I've got four lots of I've got two lots of double glazing, so it's quadruple glaze now, and then it's got this layer of rock wool uh, between the wood. Um, it's not very soundproof at all, but it's okay. Um, and then I've got this internal door here, um, so that does make a big difference. This side isn't very soundproof at all where I'm sat now. This is just this is the original summer house that my my girlfriend built uh, before we met and. Uh, we used to, I mean, I mentioned it before, we used to sit up here in the summer and stuff and uh, it's a really nice view in the evening. You get the sun comes in from about 4pm. In the summer, it's warm up here, you know, really, really warm. And um, 
And anyway, you know, I had this extended. We originally shared this space. She had all of her sewing stuff up here, and she moved the sewing stuff to the house. I bought her a new piano, which we got in the living room. Sold the old upright piano, which was upstairs where she used to teach. And uh, and then I kind of adopted this space, and then we built. Yeah, uh, then I sort of yeah built this inside wall. Had some problems with a neighbour and. Decided to try and make it a bit more soundproof. It's not it's not very soundproof, but the foam on the door has made a difference and it's made a difference to the sound. I, I did a bit of recording this week as well on Thursday. I've not recorded for ages. So it's not any time. I've been doing a lot of practice and a lot of other things, but not recording anything. Not been really in the frame of mind for it, not really been bothered about it, to be honest with you. Um and uh I was just yeah, the re- I was just listening to the sound of the drums and they they definitely everything sounds a bit tighter. It's good, you know. I was really pleased. Um, I don't know if it's going to make it any more soundproof, but but it's definitely going to make it, you know, quieter within the um, within the room. So it's really good. So I was really happy about that. Um, so I'm just adjusting this microphone lead, which is now in the most awkward position because I've got my pad still here. Um, I never set up, this is a new mic position today, I decided to go for a different mic position, but I never end up setting it up any any way I can actually play the pad very well. Um, anyway, so it's been a lot of DIY things, but then this light switch, I've, been, I had a, I've got the LED light in here, and... Uh, I'd, I was going to wire it into one of the lights in here and I decided, no, I don't want to do that because I, want, I don't want it to be on at the same time as these internal lights. I, want, I like these internal lights. They're very they're very mellow. I've got them on now and it's very chilled in here when I have these. It's quite a nice vibe. The other light's full on. It's a bit ferocious and I use it for when I'm when, I want, when I'm doing things on the Zoom and stuff and I'm doing, you know, like when I, people need to be able to see me on the camera and things and or need some extra light for doing stuff. Um, and so I decided today, um, I was supposed to do this podcast at, at seven o'clock and it's now uh, quarter to uh, 11. Um, I decided I'm going to wire in the light to this third switch. The little, I've got a three way switch on a wall, three gang they call it, don't they? But it's, um, it's not two way, it's one. Well, it, you can wire it in two ways because it's got the two way circuitry, but it's, this is just a it's just three separate lights, so it's one click, one, two, three, on and off. Um, and so I took this thing to bits, and it's like a nightmare when you, you know, you take, it was always, twin and earth, I don't like working with twin and earth, it's, I find it hard work. And uh, and so when I opened this light, I knew behind this light switch, when I opened it up, I knew it was going to be a problem, because I've opened it up before, and I just opened it up, and I just, I put it back together again, because I didn't know what I was doing, I was just, I just freaked out. Now, I've learned a bit more about, you know, this kind of stuff in the last year or so, since lockdown particularly as well, and done a few projects, like I wired my shed down there and put all the lights in, in there and stuff. And I was like, no, I can do this. I can get over this this phobia I've got of this light switch. I'm going to resolve this vibe. Anyway, I, did a, I opened it up today and Grand Prix was on, so I listened to the Grand Prix, uh, which was a bit of a crazy race today. But uh, there was a rogue had a whole rogue thing going on with it and it's just that vibe of when you don't know the wiring um then you make assumptions about what's happening and so there's a we've got an outside light here which is on a sensor uh, which is uh, in the, the door i come in which is at the end which is, which is when i load my gear in out when i'm um, using the drums uh, to gig you know um and obviously that's not happened for a long, long time. So um, 
but that's the door I come in out. So that's got the alarm on the door, you know. So, and it's also got this light. And that light is on a permanent, you know, feed from the mains. Uh, and I didn't know where it was wired from. So anyway, I took this light switch to pieces and I saw a wire coming in, which I recognised. That's, uh, that's There's the feed. There's, there's live, neutral earth. The earth wasn't connected, which was hilarious. Um, it disconnected itself. All the other earths were connected, but the actual earth to the actual earth wasn't connected. So that's been nowhere. Um, and then... Um, then there was two twin and earth wires and then this white wire. And I thought the white wire was the feed for the outside light and the two twin and earths were the feeds for the internal lights. And of course they weren't. And it took me two hours to work this out after doing every single configuration of lighting combination onto the L1 and L2s. And I was like, this thing should just be like common, 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 then put the live across each switch. So then on and off and it gets live feed. And what I didn't realise was the, the lights in here, the little lights in here, which I was trying to um, just have, you know, on their own switch, were, were on this other cable. They weren't the twin and earth. The, tw the other twin and earth was for the outside light. So there you go. So once I worked that out, it was all fine. And then I had to put the bloody switch back, you know, just the two screws and put the switch back together. And that took ages because it's just a nightmare, you know, especially with cheap, it's, like, it's a cheap switch. So any of you that are electro electric, my electrically minded or DIY minded will know exactly what I mean when it's you're dealing with cheap switches that just, they're just not very well made inside. And, you know, the little things that, where you screw into that pull the switch into the wall and the way they click and, you know, if they don't click properly, and you can't keep them in position. It's a nightmare, and it trying to get those screws in. So it's just been ugh, full on doing all that kind of stuff. And and the drumming thing's been very similar. You know, it's been a really full on couple of weeks with drums. Um, been doing a lot of practice. Um, I had started having lessons again this week, and. Um, and I was really, really looking forward to that. And uh, and it was online. It went really, really well. And I got some great stuff to practice. And again, it was like another thing of, of a book that I've known forever. A book I've had since I started playing almost. And um, I was talking about, again, this eternal, boring thing of um, <clears throat> bass drum um coordination and bass drum control you know um which you know i've made a lot of strides in the last uh, six eight months because i've sitting lower and i committed to that thing i talked a bit about that as well and um that's working really well for me i'm really happy with that the the, the height that i'm sitting now i feel um you know it's one of those things it, i wish i committed to it 25 years ago um, but it's just, you know, reflecting on this life as a gigging drummer and, and then this, you know, my life this last year as a non-gigging drummer because um, it's, you know, we're in December now and uh, I haven't gigged since March, um, you know, and it's just like I'm not a gigging drummer at the moment. I'm 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 just someone that plays the drums. Um Obviously, we'll play again at some point, and I'm, you know, helping somebody record an album at the moment. I'm in the middle of that, 
which is which I'm doing here. Um, I've got set my setup now. I'm pretty happy with it, and I'm getting a pretty good sound. Um, I did the. I've gone for the um, opted for the under mic. The under snare miking, sorry, under mic. The under snare miking, and I've never done that before, because um, I'm just going for a four-piece setup. So I decided to. I don't need the room mic, the extra room mic for my particular setup. I can, I can sort of, um, I can emulate that with my overheads, and anybody that's got my overheads, uh, my overhead stems can do the same. It's very, very easy on on Logic to emulate uh, room mics with overheads and use. You know compression and stuff or it's just even using parallel compression and things anyway um yeah it's um i i opted for this under snare uh recording you know and i've never used that before and it's been great because it's just that thing of having options for somebody and i wanted you know the person i was recording for to have the close mic option and everything and then the overheads you know and so just with eight channels and a four-piece kit with three cymbals and hi-hats, I just think you can get a pretty good sound, you know, a pretty good image with a good sound card and some good mics. And I've got some nice overheads, these KM184 Neumanns, which um, I bought a matched pair of them uh, during lockdown that I was looking for for a while. <clears throat> and they're, yeah, I some people aren't a big fan of the sound of them. I, I am, I like them. I like my, the way my cymbals sound with those mics you know uh, I mean you get a nice kit image as well but particularly <clears throat> I mean I tend to roll off uh, sometimes I roll off up to 200 hertz you know on the overheads because I've obviously got the kick I've got my, the Audix D6 I've got that inside the drum it sounds great inside the bass drum and <clears throat> I've got the 57 and the 58 underneath and the 452 um, AKG on the hi-hats so, you know, and then I've got the Audix, I've got the, the D2 and D4s and the Toms. So all that stuff, I just feel like, you know, the close mic stuff's taken care of. It's, you know, a pretty good sound. And the, the Scarlet's a good preamp, you know. Um, and I think it's, they, they, they're usable stems for somebody who wants to, um, you know, to do stuff with, with it. And, and they definitely step up from the setup I had before with the NT5s, the Rhodes and the the Behringer uh, that I had, which was okay, but it, you could just hear this. With the Rode, the Rode mics were you know, very, very low noise, but there's a sort of, there's a little, just a little bit of dirtiness about the signal, which I actually quite liked, to be honest with you. I quite like the character of those mics, but they're not high-end microphones. You know, you buy a pair for 200 quid. Mine, I, I bought mine for 200 pounds and I sold them for 200 pounds. I had them for two years. I bought them second-hand and I sold them second-hand and you can buy them new for like 260 or something for a matched pair. Um well, yeah, but I, but uh, yeah, having said that, I like the sound of them. They're not nice, you know. They're nice microphones, and I've had this mic I'm using now. I've had this for a long time. It's NT2A, um, which I don't mind. It's not a brilliant microphone, but it's um, it's all right. Uh, and occasionally, I do use this sound card. I've got this and an SE Electronics uh, ribbon mic, which I sometimes use, and I put the mics in here and leave the door open sometimes uh, if I'm recording certain things. And you just get this interesting kind of um, room sound in inverted commas in this room, which this, there's a lot more wood in this room now. The other room, as I was saying, has been has been kind of covered with foam. But uh, but anyway, 
uh, go off on one as usual, uh, rambling on about whatever. But um, yeah, they sort of the, the you know the, the non-gigging musician thing and the and the, the sort of practicing musician thing. And uh, yeah, anyway, anyway so it's been it's been really interesting uh, having the lessons and and again this thing of concepts from a book. Um, and just like oh yeah, I've never I've never thought about practicing those exercises like that. Um, because they're slightly removed, you know, it's a slight abstraction from what's on the page, you know. Um, you know, anyone that knows the kind of Ted Reed syncopation, the, the syncopation sets two and beyond in that book, the exercise one to eight and all that stuff. Um, anyone that knows about that material and knows about those concepts, um, they're not much of an abstraction, are they? They're they're actually quite they're quite obvious when you get your head around them. Um, but this thing was more abstract, uh, even though it was very very obvious once it was pointed out. And uh, so I've been spending some time um, the last couple of days practicing because it was Wednesday I had the lesson, so it was sort of Thursday Friday, and, and just thinking about those things as well because I, I know how. Um, for me, thinking about things clearly, not at the instrument, but actually just thinking about them clearly, and even coordinational things really helps me um, learn quicker, you know. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been very very interesting. And also just talking about, um, sorry, just kicking the microphone down there. Um, talking about right hand ride cymbal technique and stuff, and it's just nice to chat with somebody who's. Uh, got a really strong system you know in place plays in a you know very very um definitive way you know has a really great kind of clear way of playing which is one of the reasons why i went back for lessons with 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 him you know and um i've had some lessons before lesson before and so it was interesting to talk about that and just to kind of check in with somebody um and just to discuss where things have been for the last three or four years in relation to sort of just exploring different right-hand positions, you know, different positions and different fulcrums to play from. And uh, and I would, you know, I'd really encourage you, and I've said this before many times, but again, you know, I'd really encourage you to, um, to explore how things feel in the hand, you know, because I think that we can... You know, we can get set in our ways and uh, play in a certain way, you know, which is totally fine. But I think that there's other sound opportunities available for us. And uh, um, we had a chat uh, on Wednesday and, uh, you know, we we both were talking about, you know, different, when we're playing different positions on the drum kit. And uh, I've been doing a lot of um, snare drum practice in the last kind of I don't know six months really and starting to feel like um, like I want to start to play some snare drum pieces again properly um, some classical pieces I mean not just uh, Wilcox and stuff um, and I feel like I'm kind of at a point where I can start doing that and I've been using and as mentioned on the last podcast, these Jeff Moore sticks, which I've got on the pad here, on the Quiet Tone pad, which I was talking about also in the last episode. And 
because I've been playing with these sticks so much in the last kind of, uh, I don't know, sort of six weeks. I've sort of, when I pick them up, they feel so familiar straight away. I always had that thing where I could tune in within half an hour. Within half an hour, the sticks would be totally, oh yeah, yeah, these are just the sticks I can play with. I'd pick my normal Erskines up and go, bloody hell, these are light, these are thin. I almost feel like they were just, you know, I couldn't play with them because it was so weird. And again, obviously within 20 minutes, everything was back to normal. And again, it's just, I think, you know, it's the same thing as the grip thing with the sticks thing. Don't, you know, let's not talk ourselves out of things or overthink, you know, like, um, or, or even that thing of you know, this kind of overthinking or there's, there's thinking yourself or compartmentalising yourself into a position, you know. This is the uh, this is the thing I do. This is it. You know, this is the one. I think core-wise, we can have a core thing, a core way we play, a core approach. A, um, you know, but I don't think anything needs to be it. I think that I think some you know some French is quite cool for certain things, especially things like that when you're playing like a rebound thing one-handed rebound or doing, doing like a roll thing with finger control like that you know um, and then you know American is generally how I play but but I also play German as well play flat-handed because I was a timpanist and and uh, but I also like that kind of Neanderthal grip where you you're sort of holding the stick like um like you're just holding a piece of wood you know like um so you, there's no fulcrum well there is a fulcrum it's the fulcrum sort of buried in the hand somewhere you know but i quite like that way of playing the ride symbol and i would just encourage you to experiment with the hand on the ride symbol uh, on the or on the hi-hats you know if you're that kind of player just a hi-hat player then experiment on the hi-hats different kind of sounds because you know with the hi-hats if you've got nice hi-hats um and even like because i i recently got some zbt hi-hats now a lot of people slag off the zbt zildjian zbt thing and i'm not a zildjian i don't play any zildjian symbols at all um i'm an, I'm an istanbul guy and, I, and i've been for a long long time and that's that's my sound you know um but uh, I bought this second-hand kit a few weeks ago, um, a Gretsch Catalina Club. I wanted to own one for a long time, and one came up for sale, and I just bought it, didn't think about it. And it came with loads of different stuff, loads of hardware and stuff, which I don't really need, but, you know, it's cool. Um, and hardware bags as well. Just so much stuff. Just don't know where to put anything at the moment. It's like a bit of a nightmare in here. But it also came with some symbols, and it was ZBT Ride, which is exactly what you think it is. And then there was ZBT crash, and there was ZB something else, different number, different letter. Don't know, not really checked it out. Another another crash. And then some hi-hats. Now, I've long rated, and anybody who knows me will, will know and my feelings on the ZBT hi-hat. I think ZBT hi-hats are great. They've got a sound. They, they sound, they don't sound cheap. They don't sound kind of that nasty kind of tick tick ticky you know abrasive and and metallic and they've got a vibe you know and uh, i was messing around the other day with i've just bought one of these i is it called ion i think or something one of these istanbul exist ion things with with the holes in you know 
Um, I've been wanting one for ages, and then I found one on eBay. It was my birthday last week, so I bought myself a present, you know, a little treat. And I was messing around with that as a hi-hat, you know, and they're really loud, It's like because it's 16-inch, and I was using an Alchemy. I've got two 16 Alchemy crashes. They're both sweet crashes, actually. They're both nice crashes, but uh, they're quite different pitches. And... Um, it sounded better with one than the other. With one of them, it was really, really quite abrasive and unpleasant, actually. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of messing around with that. And there's so... When you're kind of playing with the foot and playing patterns with the foot, like linear things and using the height in between the hands, it's so easy, it's so easy to make a nice sound with that setup. And I hear lots of players doing that thing. And it's cool, and I can see where people get into that vibe. Um but I, I kind of, I don't know, it feels like it's just giving a little bit more than it really is. Um, I suppose it is what it is, isn't it? But playing with normal hi-hats, you, get, uh, you don't get the same things not delivered for you on a plate. You know what I'm saying? You've got to kind of work a little bit harder for it, you know. Uh, especially if you've got, I mean, I've got some very, I've got some beautiful 15th, uh, 30th anniversary hi-hats. They're gorgeous and... They're quite buttery, soft hi-hats. They're not quiet, but they're soft. That makes any sense. Because um, you can have hi-hats that are sort of buttery and soft, but they're very quiet and they don't really cut through. But but these um, these do a little bit, you know, but you know, not so. Anyway, yeah. Um, sorry, so let me close this. Um yeah, but anyway, I put the ZBTs on because I hadn't played them and I bought this kit and they're just in this symbol bag that came with the kit, you know. And I was like, yeah, these are, you know, I'd use these in the studio or on certain gigs. They're, they're, they're a hi-hat that I would choose to use, you know, because I'm quite lucky I've got... Um, I don't have lots of hi-hats because I'm not that interested in loads of different hi-hats, you know. I've got some weird things that are 17s, which are from some alchemy crashes that were cracked and have been drilled and stuff, and they're just like novelty hi-hats. There's, there's, of course, is the ion, the exist ion option thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then um, I've got the 30th anniversaries. But then I've got these... So the medium traditional Istanbul, and they're basically they're the they're the they're that sound for me that generic Zildjian new beat A new beats from the seventies. They're that kind of sound. They just sound great, and I lent them to somebody for ages, an ex student of mine, um, who um, he kept them on a hi hat clutch in his cymbal bag, and they got keyholed a bit which is a bit of a shame you know um but it's just him being lazy and i, I know why he did it because he was practicing a lot and he was just jumping he would like just he'd just hang around the drum rooms to when he went when he was at college and he would just jump in rooms when there were when there was nobody in them you know if there's a student didn't show up or there was just a break or something happened he'd dive in the room and get on the kit so he's he always had the hi-hat clutch on the hi-hat and he had the hi-hats in in his cymbal bag and they were just chucked in the bag anyway when i i eventually got these hi-hats back off him because i got some hi-hats off him that i borrowed for ages and then he wanted to what in the backs he wanted to sell them because he wanted to buy some someone else and um 
and yeah, I got them back into a bit keyhole, which is a bit of a shame, but this did, hasn't affected the sound. Um, and it sort of makes them look makes them look like from the 70s, actually, because a lot of cymbals from the 60s and 70s are keyhole because cymbal stands were so shit. But um, I've got a pair of them, and then I've got this flat bottom like a like the um, like the quick beat equivalent that istanbul made it's in istanbul um he's now got memo i think it's pre-split um but it's like a yeah it's flat bottom with four drilled holes like this is exactly it's just a copy of that quick beat thing but i never had a top hat for it but i was i'd used the the medium thin you know, uh, the medium traditional, sorry, hi-hat with it. But then Barry Race, who, uh, the BR distribution guy, who, who distributes Istanbul very kindly, he contacted Istanbul in Turkey and said, could you make this guy a top hi-hat? And they did, and they, he didn't charge me a lot of money for it. So I ended up with a brand new medium, traditional medium, top hi-hat, which is completely different than the other one. And it's, and it's, it's spot on because it's slightly higher pitched, and it's very new, you know, it's... Uh, I mean, I've not used it a lot even now. But with those... With that, two different pairs, I've got basically the quick beat thing, the new beat thing, which a lot of producers and artists want those two sounds when they're recording, you know. Or I've got my thing, which is the 30th. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's my default hi-hat. So when I go in the studio, that's the hi-hat I pull out. Now, if, if somebody says, oh that's not the right sound then i've got the other options i always bring three the three pairs of hi-hats when i'm recording i'll always bring two bags of cymbals you know two or three rides um <clears throat> sorry two three main rides three or four extra rides and about four or five crashes at least all different sizes but depending on what i'm at what i'm recording if it's if it's something um it's like a film score thing or something then it's probably more than that but um I have my sort of I have my default sound, you know, and then I have all the other options. And I have to say the ZBT will go in they will go in in the bag now. They'll go with me because I think there's a really useful sound those um that hi-hat sound. I think they're great, you know. Um and so yeah, so I ended up with this this other kit anyway. Um which is this, this Catalina Club, which I might use as a gigging kit. I might just use as a, as a sort of a kit that just goes in the car all the time and, you know, don't worry too much about um, just, yeah, been travelling around with it. Because I've got, you know, the Sonors are great. Um, and then I've got this Yamaha Nouveau, Absolute Nouveau, uh, these with an 18, which uh, a good friend of mine, Andy Brunson, who may be listening, it was his kit. And it's a beautiful kit, that, and it's, um, I mean, it's a bit surplus to requirement, but I just, I would just can't, I'd never want to sell it, you know, because it's got, it's just a beautiful set of drums. It's got that Yamaha sound, and and it's very useful, I think, to have that as an option. The Sonors, you know, I've got the 18, I've got 12, 13, 13, 14, 16, you know, Tom's, because um, I've got a 13 floor tom now and a 13 rack and a 14, 16 floor toms and a 12 and then I've got four bass drums 16 by 18, 18 by 14 20 by 16, 22 by 12 um, so, you know, the Sonor really is covering all basses really, I don't need any other drums you know, actually but you know the Yamahas are really nice drums, and I always like to take them out because you do sometimes. You know, you just if you're just doing a bit of a gig and whatever, and you know, you just you know things get get damaged or whatever. 
and the uh, the Catalina Club, you know, they're good. They're nice drums. He put the 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 person I bought them must put new heads on them, so they got you know they got decent Evans heads on them and stuff. So. And uh, the original heads that they come with are pretty crap. The Gretsch ones. I don't. I don't really like them. I don't think they're very good heads. Some people say they're all right. I think they're a little bit plasticky. I mean, obviously they're made out of plastic, but they they're on the wrong side of, of it for me. There's a bit of a cheapness about them. But as soon as you replace all the heads on those drums, I think the drums sound great. And it came with a snare as well, which um, which I'll probably never use because I. You know, just to contradict myself completely, I always take my Craviotto on gigs. You know, it's um, it's like I always take my special edition Jazz Twenty One. You know, they're my two most precious drum items. Um, and then the thirtieth anniversary hi hats are probably after that. And then the Sonor drums are after that, you know, and maybe the Black Beauty snare. But I could buy another Black Beauty with those, even with the die-cast hoops, I could probably get another one. The Craviotto is irreplaceable unless the other two people that own the other two that he made uh, would sell it to me. There's no replacement for that drum. And the Sonophonics, they're unique because they, um, they have been edited slightly. They have uh, been modified slightly. So um, there's no replacement. And the 21 ride, I've never played uh, another Jazz Special Edition ride that I like the sound of more than mine. Uh, I played some very, very nice and very close. Um, and some uh, student ex-students have had some really nice ones, very, very nice cymbals, but uh, I've not seen many 21s, and, and my 21 is be- it's beautiful. Um Anyway, I feel like I've gone off on a massive tangent there with um, with the buying the gear thing and stuff. And uh, but yeah, I'm trying to remember where I was. Ah, it was hi hats, and it was about technique, and just that thing of like just hitting the hi hats in a certain way that's maybe different than the technique that you play with. You know, is maybe interesting for you. I think um, when I when I get students into looking at Latin styles and I get people thinking about looking at the, the, the basic songo rhythm, that linear pattern. Right, foot, right, etc. Right, left, foot, left, right, yeah. So it's right, left, left, foot, and then a right, left, right, left. Right, left, foot, left, sorry, yeah. It's a linear pattern. So imagine you don't think about something for a long time, you have to think about it. So there's a thing with that pattern where if you just play the hi-hat like normal, like your normal hi-hat playing, something about it just ain't great, you know. Uh, And trying to get students into thinking about the way in which they hit the hi-hat to play that style of music and be a sort of a different kind of 
interaction with the drum, a different kind of weight, you know, using a bit more forearm weight and a bit more hand weight and just kind of lay going into the hi-hats a bit heavier and deeper with a bit more low end. Um, that whole thing can be quite challenging for them, you know, and uh, and but it does open this door. I always feel that that kind of moment can really open the door to sort of, you know, just considering different ways to hit the instrument, you know, different ways to interact with the instrument. Um, and so it got me kind of thinking, you know, um, I mean, I've written this thing here in my notes, which is so bizarre. I've just read it. This is the first time I've looked at my notes. I take these notes every week that are, you know, just if I if I write something down, it might be something that I'll you know use uh, with you know for the podcast. You know what I mean? Like uh, I just write a note. Um, like the one below is time is also about coordination as well as elements controlled. So like they're not even great sentences because I'm just trying to get out a thought, and so that thing about you know the time. Is also about coordination thing. It's just that I was practicing with metronome, you know, practicing coordination things, and the time was not great. And um, and I was just thinking about time and about playing in time, and and uh, you know how we maybe forget about coordinating ourselves better to play in time instead of you know we're just concentrating so much on maybe the subdivision or you know or or we're just kind of listening to a metronome or something we forget about the motion and then there was this thing of different types of techniques for different ways of playing the hi-hat is is the other sentence i've written here you know and and it, this so i've just kind of come to the same the place in my thoughts as i as, as the notes i'd written down you know um but it was this this kind of thing of of uh you know, different techniques, both in the hand and in the feet for playing the hi-hats as well. It's just, uh, I don't want to go into too much now. But, I would, you know, I would encourage you to just to sort of hit the drums in different ways and experiment with that about how it feels, you know, and, and yeah, not kind of clutter our minds with with the, the two things, like I said before, we can sort of, we can compartmentalise ourselves into being closed-minded about things. We can also go to the other way. Oh, there's so many different things. Oh, which one do I choose? Oh, I can clutter your brain by by doing that. You know, too many options. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. But at the end of the day, you've got to make a decision. And, uh, and making a decision about how you play and making a decision about how you connect with the instrument um, it's definitely going to be like the it's going to be the foundation of how you how you do what you do, you know, and uh, you know how we do what we do is is everything as far as I'm concerned, uh, and and it's that thing of I think sometimes it's good to just shake that up a bit and have a and have a look at it and you know and just say oh, hold on a minute, you know, is there anything else I could do here? Is there anything different kind of interesting thing I could, you know just interface with the instrument instrument differently just briefly and see you know if that leads me down another path because basically what this all relates to for me and it was really what 
what I was going to, the only thing I was really going to talk about this week, and it's taken me about 45 minutes to get here, so I do apologise for that. But it's really this thing of everything that you practice is a be, is as if, as if you were a beginner, you know. Um, now, this may be a slightly controversial statement, and this may be a naive statement, and this may be, uh, some people may regard it as a bullshit statement, but I was, you know, this week I was presented by a teacher uh, with um, an exercise from a book which I've known very well um, and I'd known for a long time, which was a different way of approaching this exercise, which I couldn't play at all. Um, and so we can have sort of two kind of approaches to that situation. And this is where I realise I've grown up more um, than I, you know, than I, when I'm older. I mean, I'm physically, I'm older, literally, I'm older, but mentally, I'm more mature. Um, in the past, that would have been, it would have been a painful experience for me because, you know, uh, I've always enjoyed playing the drums. And I've always found practicing hard, you know, um, because it, it, it's it's hard work. Practicing is practicing. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be crafting and nurturing, you know, and all those kind of things. And some things that we practice are difficult and we have to have great patience, you know. And so in the past, I would have had quite I've gone through quite a long mental kind of rigmarole if you like with this this task this situation you know and I found myself this week being presented with this thing and, and all I felt and I feel it now I've got the same feeling now thinking about it is excitement it's just genuinely exciting and the frustrating thing is that I've got other shit I need to do in life you know and it's really irritating, and uh, you know, I've got you know, I've got a job and responsibilities, and people I'm responsible to, and things I'm responsible for, and stuff I've got to do and got to get done, and and all I really want to do is practice. You know, all I want to do is practice this one thing that m will make me sound like I've just started to play the drums, and it's mega. You know, so that was it really it was just kind of sharing that moment and just saying you know if you feel like that then try in some way if you can to embrace it in a positive way and treat it as it's all adding everything adds you know anything that's good is adding to what you didn't have before that moment especially if you have the patience to practice it properly. Uh, and, you know, and it feels like the last year for me has been quite positive in this respect. And I don't want to jibber on about it and feel sort of sound a bit evangelical, you know, and a bit kind of like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we've been doing this for years, man, you know. But I talk to a lot of students and a lot of people about practice and stuff, and I, I still get the feeling that a lot of people... They don't find it, they don't enjoy it, you know. They find it hard work and uh, and it is hard work, but I'm just convinced there's, there's a way in which we can all enjoy it, you know. 
And it's just finding the right frame of mind. I don't even think it's the right exercises. I think the right exercises is, is absolutely important. There's got to be exercises that you're number one that you, you, know, you want to do. And the things that I'm practicing, uh, I was practicing, you know, today and yesterday and on on, um, and on Friday and and on Thursday. Um, these exercises, you know, came out of a conversation of things that I was asking about practicing and getting better at. So, you know, obviously they, you know, it's not like somebody saying, it's not like the Karate Kid, you know, where it's like wax on, wax off. It's not that vibe, you know. Uh, it's actually just stuff that's dealing with the thing and it feels very connected and um you know and obviously the, the lesson in the karate kid thing is obviously you know he didn't get it did he and then suddenly he realized he was an, he was an absolute monster at you know defensive and uh, offensive movements because he practiced all this painting the fence and wax on wax off you know these movements that he'd done these repetitive uh, exercises which you have to do for martial arts you know that's what that's what you do that's what people do because it's a, it's an art you know and uh, it's a martial application of uh, of movement which is you know for um for engaging in combat you know and defense and and offense and all those kind of things and uh, very very similar to drumming you know and um, and sort of music but particularly drumming drumming's got physical movement thing and, and i feel like we do interface with the instrument in similar ways to certain martial arts you know and and things like balance are incredibly important and uh and so like yes uh, friday i went for uh an absolutely horrific massage because um, I've had these problems with my left arm and this tendon. It's both arms, really. And it's all about typing and it's having, you know, it's just typing work stuff, not being at the right height and stuff. And working at home this last kind of eight months and not sitting at the correct heights at tables. And I kind of got it sorted out at work, but at home it's not really. And I've had some, you know, been it's been really, really bad the last four or five months and um i went in october and it was really really helpful but he absolutely kind of went really really into my middle of my back and up to my shoulder and and he did he also did a bit of stretched a tendon a bit in my arm but didn't, didn't go in too deeply but friday it was really full on um on the left arm you know and, uh, and I've had to really rest, actually, so I've not really been doing much kind of practice at all uh, on Saturday or today. A little bit, but, you know, traditional grip's fine and, and you can just do some coordination, some sort of light sort of movements. Um, but anyway, this guy that I go and see uh, is a very, very interesting guy. Um, and he's, uh, he's a very... He, he seems to me, to be a very skilled martial artist as well. And we talked quite a lot about, um, we've talked about that. I've only seen him four or five times and we've talked about it every time. But on Friday, he was showing me some, just some movement in the feet and stuff about uh, to do with sort of, to do with boxing and to do with, just to do with weight distribution, you know. And, uh, and I was just immediately seeing the benefits of it for my, just for my balance behind the drums because my balance is appalling you know which is one of the great things of why sitting lower has been such a revelation for me because i just feel like i've i dealt with my my sort of top heavy not liking the top heavy vibe you know 
wanting things to be as low as they can go. And uh, I even mentioned it the other day in the lesson, and um, and it was interesting because I said, are you saying how how high are you sitting now? And I said forty seven centimeters, and he was like, man, that's lower, that's lower than me, you know. I was like, yeah, it's pretty low. I said, but it's good, it's working. I feel I can play through my heels. I can play flat-footed. I can feel like I'm really playing the feet. I don't feel like I'm off balance at all. Um, it just all feels great, you know. But, it, but anyway, this this guy that went to see the massage guy was showing me these just these moves in the feet, just about moving forward and backwards in in in, in different things. I mean, boxing and in. Um, Wing Chun and and uh, and in uh, Kung Fu and in Jiu Jitsu, different the different martial arts. He was talking a bit about Mike Tyson as well, about how Mike Tyson moves around and where it where he kind of where he essentially launches from. You know, um, it's very very interesting stuff, and it all feels very relevant to drums for me. You know, I I really believe in the balance. You should bring the balance from from your from your head down into your belly and into your pelvis if you can. Um, when you're sitting on the stool, and you can do that with deep, deep, just doing deep breathing exercises, and just by placing where you imagine your balance to be, you can go down from from uh, between your eyes, or between the ears, if you like down into the just into the throat that kind of very sensitive part of the throat above your rib cage bring it to there then bring it down to your solar plexus then bring it down to your belly button a lot of people are happy for it to sit in the belly button and and to be honest with you i am actually but since sitting lower i've been feeling happier to take it right down into the pelvis and just feel like it's right down in there in the pelvis you know like just right on the stool the center of my balance because um, years and years ago, I had a very bizarre experience, which I'm, <clears throat> I don't mind sharing with you. And I, you know, whether you think I'm insane or not, I don't really care. But um, I've, I've an old friend of mine um, is very, very highly skilled um, martial artist, um, particularly with um, Tai Chi and um, and some other stuff. He, he used to call Carly Drill and, and Five Ancestors. Uh, tiger fighting don't really know much about it we used to do some of these drills with sticks um, they're quite interesting I was always rubbish at them because I'm so badly kind of coordinated with with that sort of thing I overthink it you know um, but one of the things I did a lot with him was this thing called uh, Qigong which is just breathing practice and we talked quite a lot um, about some some things I'd noticed after I'd done quite a, I did I spent quite a period of time practicing this stuff not not to any massive degree just doing one specific exercise in the morning and in the evening it was the same thing I did it quite a lot and I noticed a number of things um, and one of them was this ability when walking down the street if I ever I felt just like I was getting a bit like heady and a bit kind of whoa, just feeling a bit kind of I don't know, very aware in the head and maybe a bit dizzy or a bit strange. Was I was able to do this thing where take my balance and put it down into my pelvis, you know, and then just suddenly feel 
completely fine again. And, you know, I know that's probably to do with distraction and, you know, the actual thing that behind that is anxiety. And that's fine, you know. But it's just more of the feeling empowered to be able to do something about it, you know, and feeling empowered like a certain process of thinking and of breathing and of concentration can help you one minute feel weird and the next minute feel really, really fine, you know. And and I and I so I kind of experimented with that on the drums and I found that to be really beneficial, you know, for me, um, especially in nervous situations or in situations where I'm over kind of worrying about certain things in the situation, which which has been less and less over the years, but still does rear its kind of ugly head from time to time. But you know, ultimately, it's just, all that stuff's just about confidence and about being yourself, you know, about feeling that kind of, um, th- that side of your personality, you know. The, 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 you should always visualise a side of your personality where you're standing up and you're kind of shining to people, you know, and just feeling positive and and that you're showing the best side of yourself and you're showing a, a kind of clear, calm side of yourself and... And that's, you know, just a usual visualisation exercise to kind of just to think about maybe once a morning or something just to say, this is the better side of myself. This is what I want to be today. This is how I want to present myself. You know, it can just be at least literally a minute, little sort of, um, you know, manifestation of something positive, whatever we want to talk about it. I mean, I, I listen to this, this podcast by Nick Faldo, um, Sir Nick Faldo, I should say, Um quite recently and I, I used to watch him a lot when I was when I was a kid my my dad um watched golf and my uncle as well um he was a golfer and so anyway yeah there's I was quite like golf I can't like watching it it's a very peaceful kind of it's just green isn't it he's just looking at green on the screen which is always nice um you know but uh but yeah Dick Faldo was on this podcast Cynic, I should say and uh he was talking about this whole thing about visualization, you know, and uh, I was quite interested because he didn't—he didn't strike me as that kind of person, you know. I think I've made a sort of judgment that he was a very kind of, you know, just very ridiculous, you know, ultra professional, super talented, just a professional guy who just kind of, you know, just got on with it and was, had that kind of vibe about it. very down to earth actually and just very normal I don't know you know I'm not saying that you know someone that talks about visualizations isn't normal but I didn't have him down as someone that thought about things in what made people people think of as kind of more of a spiritual way or you know holistic way or whatever you want to talk about those kind of things and I think they are wrongly labeled as that because I don't feel you know particularly spiritual or or anything any of that kind of jazz but I do think that you know if we're trying to sort of self-improve um and now that and that's the kind of that's the, the crux of it here, you know. The self improvement thing is for me. Um, there's loads of different levels to that, you know, um, and and they involve all all sorts of different things that you know that I'm trying to kind of resolve in myself, and you know things I'm thinking about, and things I've seeked help about, and all that kind of stuff, and just relationships, and you know, and just that thing of relating, you know. Um, and, and remembering that relationships and relating has has all the different dynamics in that and it's all not just a kind of slow vibration of peacefulness it ain't that at all you know um, relating is about expressing 
and being heard, you know. But also it's about self-improvement. And um, and so, you know, within music, within, within the drums, the self-improvement thing is practising, isn't it, you know. And it's also finding ways to practise that is positive in emotionally and uh, practically, you know, without without sort of approaching things with a sort of like, oh, gosh, I'm so terrible, this is really hard, oh, I don't want to do this because when I play I just don't sound very good and then my self-esteem, it feels really bad and then I just and I listen to everybody else that's playing and they always play, you know, they always playing amazing and all I hear is them playing and they, you know, they're amazing and they're them practising and they seem to be, uh, it's all these negativity, you know, and, uh, and you know, that's like... Well, Lots of people have been there, haven't we? But this thing for me about self-improvement is about not feeling any of that, you know, is like the opposite thing of like, oh, you know, oh, they sound good. Somebody's practising. Oh, they sound like they're working hard. That's great, you know. Sound like they're getting on with something. Yeah, yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like they're, you know, working through something. Or if someone's having a play, they're having a play. I don't really have any judgment on that at all. I don't know, if someone's playing, they're playing. Uh, if someone's practicing, there's a different thing. You know, listen to them. And oh, it's interesting what they're trying to do there. You know, oh, that sounds like they're really getting that together. You know, that's great. What am I doing? What am I doing today? I'm doing this today. Oh yeah, yeah. This is like okay, yeah. I've not got this together. I want to get this together. My aim is to get this together. If if I do this thing, I'm going to get it together. And the end, the you know, the the end product of this is getting this together and it being something that I can do, and I can move on to the next thing. And there's no time, you know, there's no time limit on this thing. I don't need to get it together any time. I mean, it was interesting when I was having this lesson this week, I was talking about some of the stuff that I'd been practising, which he'd given me previously, and, and I'd also got from another source of his uh, in between the last time I'd seen him. And I was saying, you know, oh, some of this stuff's still not kind of in there, you know, and he's like, well, you know, it just it just takes as long as it takes, you know. And it's like, yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm not saying it because I'm like freaking out about it. I'm just, you know, I'm saying some days I can play this off the bag and other days, like today when I'm faced in this weird situation, I haven't played, you know, for somebody in this way for a while. It's not quite there because I'm not 100% focused, you know. Um, but it's just interesting uh, having different attitude towards that and being able to sort of, you know, bravely try things, um, you know, that I definitely can't play in front of somebody that I deeply respect and, you know, and egotistically would maybe want to sound good in front of, you know. And it's like, man, I'm never going to sound good trying to play something that I need to practice. Why would I sound good? I'm going to sound like it's new, you know, like it's new to me and anything that sounds new to you and is new to you and you can't do is going to sound like that and that's great you know and so I've been like really buzzing about that thing and I kind of that was the thing I wanted to share really I wanted to just say that and have it kind of you know on record again I think I've said it before but it's just saying it again and reiterating just trying to you know it's it's tough at the moment I mean especially in the UK I mean I've, I've felt I have to be honest with you we've been feeling pretty negative about like um just music and stuff in relation to like playing you know um and i haven't felt like that at all since march but i have recently just been you know 
um, been a little bit more engaged with the news because obviously there's this um, this vaccine was announced and and just some other things in the news uh, had sort of drawn me back into the news again. So, and then you just read a few things in the news and you, you know the scientific community is saying they're saying that things aren't going to get back to normal anytime soon. You know and. Like, I'm thinking back to March and thinking, well, if we just get through to June or to July, then everything will be cool and it'll be beautiful. And that's great. You know, and I felt like, personally, I did a good job in my myself getting through that. I really did feel quite freaked out initially in March, like most people did, I'm assuming. Um, really, you know, weirded out by the whole thing, just in a very, very... Dis- like, like as if... The same feeling I remember when I was younger and I thought that we were going to war, you know, when 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 I first learned about nuclear weapons when I was nine or ten years old and there was this big CND thing, you know, and I remember watching war games and, um, and watching that other film, Threads, you know, and this horrific nightmarish kind of vision of, of reality of life under nuclear war, you know. And then also, I remember being, you know, in my teenage years and uh, the first talk of terrorism becoming a thing that we were going to be living with, you know, and I was just thinking about, oh, my God, you know, imagine living in a world of terrorism, you know, and 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 then there's just that sort of thing of thinking about, I think about my grandfather who was... Um, was was in the Second World War and was away for a long time. You know, he was a sergeant and he had he had men and he you know under him and he looked after them and they went all over the place. They went to Orkney and then they went over Normandy and they went to Holland and then they went to Berlin and just this kind of just like what that was like. You know, just like the thought of like the disruption to life and the, and the, and there's the vulnerability of everything feeling so you know and there was definitely a feeling of that in march for me but it, it quickly subsided because i just thought well i just need to concentrate on uh, work for a start because um, you know very luckily got a job and uh, a job that you know i like and and great supportive environment and uh, i can also you know, feel like i can do some good in the job but there's also the thing of practising. I made a sort of commitment to doing a few things practice-wise. But I just kind of felt during November just a little bit down about the whole thing, really. Just like, when are we going to be gigging? When are we going to be playing again? You know, just that thing of it. Because it's not, you know, the the, the world of, of drumming for me is not just about practising. Uh, even though it's something I've got a lot better at and it's become... Um, it's become more important to me now because I've got better at it you know it was as important in the past but I never gave it the kind of time it deserved in my opinion so therefore I can't say it was as important to me can I because I didn't give it the time it really deserved whereas now it's I'm giving it more time so therefore I think it deserves the title of being more important to me I've earned the right to say that um but the the other side of it is I I desperately desperately miss playing with other people and, and it's an obvious thing to all the musician friends that I know we all feel the same way and you know uh, I'm not saying I've not taken some positive things out of this past you know eight months but just um, it's just begun to dawn on me that maybe he's not gonna like at my next gig in the diary which was cancelled from July 2020 2021 July 2021. And it's a project that I've been involved with for a few years. 
Um, and I'm not sure whether that will happen. That's that, that was the kind of thing that dawned on me, you know. Um, now, it might not happen because of financial reasons. It might be nothing to do with, you know, things may improve with the vaccine. I'm sure they will. Um, and... You know, we'll, the, the the sort of the the vulnerability amongst um, the population will start to improve, and so therefore the sort of threat to the um, to to our health service and to all that to you know to sort of huge numbers of people getting ill will subside. You know, and that's ultimately when things will return to normal. You know, and uh, I don't think it's going to go away, but it's one of those things where if you can feel like you know, you've you've taken something that's protecting you in some way and protecting you spreading it, so it's kind of protecting you, catching and spreading it, then, you know, in time, it will things will definitely improve. If you look at the timeline of all great vaccines, you know, then, um, you know, they have taken years to, to, to make society change. But at the end of the day, it's that kind of... It's the pinch points, isn't it, of society where you're trying to kind of uh, improve things. So... But I just, yeah, I just sort of resigned myself to thinking maybe, you know, nothing's going to be happening until, you know, even till the summer or maybe beyond. I mean, maybe it's this, maybe it's next September when things are really back to kind of normal. And um, and so, yeah, it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a strange time with that. I was feeling, um, it's the first time I'd felt really down about it, you know. And uh, feel a little bit better about it now, but it's just I went through a little bit of a dip. But, but part of it was engaging with the news, and uh, so stepping away from that a bit and just getting back into, you know, my life and my bubble um, has felt more positive again. And then just getting on with, you know, some DIY things, fixing a light, you know, putting a putting a light in, things like that. Just again, remind yourself that like. Yeah, there's just stuff to get on with, isn't there? You know, it's all cool. Um, but yeah, that was kind of it, really. That was it for this week. It was yeah. The 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 title, the 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 logic project title was called Nothing Specific EP forty three, and uh, and I think it kind of lived up to that, really. I suppose yeah. The specific thing was um, embracing the beginner. That's what um, maybe that's what I should retitle it as embracing the beginner within you you know um because there's always the beginner within you and there's always an opportunity in that to uh to expand the horizons so um yeah i wish you well if you're embarking on new horizons in this next week because uh, i certainly am and it's very exciting so you take care and uh, i'll be back again soon so bye for now <laughs>